Hey everybody, welcome back to the Swirl Suite. This is part two of our Auction Lot 288 interviews, and it's with Nadine Netman, and she's from Som TV. She's an author and now a TV producer. She was very involved with the production of Auction Lot 288, the champagne documentary that was released a few weeks ago on Som TV. So don't forget, while you're listening to this great episode with all of us, go to Som TV and sign up for a subscription. They also have an app that makes it very convenient to watch all of their shows, documentaries, and movies. Cheers. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Swell Suite, everybody. Me and Glennis today. Hey, girl. Welcome back. Hey. How was your trip? Hey, Riri. Oh, my trip. I'm relaxed. My trip was marvelous. Mm. And if anybody wants to have a restful spa vacation that is um, eco-friendly, farm-to-table food, the Belize Jungle Resort Spa is the place. Mm-hmm. The owners live on property and it, it has a rustic plus a modern feel to it. The parents purchased this a thousand acres when they were um, about to retire. And then when they retired to Belize, because they lived in the States, when they retired to Belize, they built a and made a boutique resort in the jungle in Belize. It's not on the beach, but beautiful freshwater pools, um, outdoor spa services. Are you getting like rock tubs to wash off the scrub? The honey is made on site. The oil is made from coconuts that fall out the tree. So, wow. I mean, all the all the oils are fresh, so they're not cut with some chemical name this long. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm holding my arms out for the people who don't see it. <laughs> <laughs> is there um is there wine in Belize? Well, you know there is. However, <laughs> I use my fly with wine suitcase. And brought six bottles of Cremant and two, well, four bottles of crum, four bottles of Cremant and two bottles of champagne with me since it was my birthday. So. Well, and how did you bring in your birthday? Were you at the spa? Were you in um, one of the rock jacuzzis sipping champagne? Yes, I did. No, I didn't. <laughs> okay, so I was in the spa all day long. I did services all day long. I did this Marugian scrub, which is a two-part scrub. They first put all this honey, African honeybee, um, honey on you. And then they use a mud that's been dried to scrub. Then you go get in the tub. So I didn't have time to sip and bring the bottle with me. Then you go get in the tub and they wash all that off. And she's washing it off you where you like your face and your back where you can't get into it. Um, and then you come back and do the seaweed with a sugar scrub on top of that. And you go back to the tub. I was like, ah, I'm all in the tub. i playing around with the bubbles or whatever. But so I was in this pasture because I was in the spa all day. And wow. drank champagne in and out. Or Cremont in and out of the water. And in and well, out first of all, I know your skin feels amazing. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love, I love, I love the spa. And I love the owners here. Just, it's. Oh, it's like one-on-one concierge service the whole time you're there because it only mm-hmm. has 20 rooms. They only have 20 rooms. Oh, wow. So it's very, you have to deal with crowds and oh, all man. that. That mm-hmm. sounds awesome. That sounds great. You didn't have any like flight delays or anything like that going or coming because I saw today there were 7,000 flights that were canceled. Lucked up. 
the flight was delayed from Charlotte back to um, Dulles, but only about two hours. So okay, I that's not too bad. And drank their champagne. I love it. I love it. Thank you for sharing. (laughs) And I see you have bubbles in your glass. Uh, We will cheers to our guest who's on the scene. Nadine, welcome to this. Thank you guys so much. (laughs) Now I want to go to Belize and have like a great massage and like mud and all that. Yeah. Oh, let's go. I'm ready to go back. I, I left a deposit for it. She's like, when do you want to come? I said, like, I'll call you. Just fit me in. <laughs> That's <laughs> fantastic. Oh, I want to go. I'll, I'll come with you. I'll, I'll bring Cremont. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I did yesterday with Jason when he was talking about Paris. Jouet. I was like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love it. So Nadine, please introduce yourselves to everybody. Okay, my name is Nadine Netman. I am a producer at SOM TV, as well as the editorial director and director of creative development. And then I'm also um, an award-nominated author. I have a mystery series uh, that's based around wine as well. So kind of fun. Oh, really? Can you tell us the name? Yes. So it's the Sommelier mystery series. And the first book was Decanting a Murder. The second one was Uncorking a Lie. And the third one was Pairing a Deception. So I kind of combined wine and writing there, which is kind of fun. Oh, that sounds marvelous. So you combined wine and writing. Which one came first? Because you're a sommelier. Yeah, I'm a certified sommelier through the court. You know, I always wanted to be a writer. And um, it wasn't until like 2011, I pursued my wine journey. And then I was into my wine journey and went, oh, you know, I can probably combine those two and write about wine as well. So I did that with my books and I paired every chapter with a wine so that, you know, if you're reading along, you can drink along, but there's like 36 chapters in each one. So no one, people always say, oh, I'm going to do that. And then I never hear from them again. So I get a little worried. (laughs) Whether they did it all in one sitting or not is is the question. (laughs) So yeah, so definitely well, that, writing came first and then wine, but then they they did this, you know, harmonious junction and and now here I am uh doing doing get what I get to do love. You know, I get to write, I get to produce, and I get to drink wine, which is really fun. Oh wow, that is outstanding. So where can we get the um trilogy the, the trilogy from? Those are books, they're on Amazon. Yeah, they used to be in bookstores, but um, books rotate constantly like as new books come out every Tuesday. Right. So they're not available in bookstores anymore, but they're, they're still available online, which is fun. But. Oh, good. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> That's really cool. So how did you how did you get into wine in the first place? Were you in the restaurant business? So I've worked in restaurants for a long, long time. Um, the funny thing about the wine, how I got into it was um, I was covering a wine and food festival as a writer. And I got pulled up onto a panel um, by a gentleman named Fred Dame um, and pulled up saying like, okay, you're going to be our guest judge today. And you're going to tell everyone what you think about this wine. And I was looking out at 300 attendees who had paid to be there. And they're waiting for me, who basically knew red and white, to like tell them about this wine in front of them. And you guys, I had seen the movie Sideways and I knew they swirled. <laughs> So in front of 300 people, I swirled my glass and took a sip and I'm like, it's smooth. And they're like, he's like, yes, it is smooth. And that moment I was like, you know, I love wine. Don't know a lot about it. I should really like start researching this. And I started looking into it and just fell in love with it. And then immediately started pursuing certification and started pursuing careers in that world because it's just such a fun world. And also everyone involved in it is so fun and welcoming too. So it's just like, oh, I felt like I was home. 
Yeah. And wow. now I know why you swirl. So I'm good. This, we're going back like, you know, 12 years, <laughs> but I still think about it when I swirl. <laughs> so you, did you, when the, when the, uh, when Fred said, come up and do that, did you just go? Oh, I was like, oh yeah, no, I'm not going. And then I actually kind of got dragged up there. <laughs> and I had a friend in the audience way back. She kept looking at me and laughing and I was like, oh, cause I, I'm, I'm comfortable in front of a lot of people, but I don't choose to be in front of a lot of people. I'd rather, you know, be a little bit behind the scenes. And I was like, oh goodness, everyone's watching. Um, and I don't know anything about wine, but it's, it was a beautiful moment because it started this fantastic journey. And now, now I know more than just, you know, Chardonnay and Cab, <laughs> a lot more. So how did some TV come along? Did you know Jason? So what's funny is um, I was on a Facebook group that he posted in back in 2011 and said, um, I have this new movie I'm making. Does anybody want to come to a screening of it? And I messaged and I said, yes, I would love to come to a screening. I'm, I'm certified through the court, but um, I'm not on the floor right now. I'm a writer. And he goes, well, you can't write about this movie. And I said, well, I'm not that kind of writer. <laughs> so yeah, I went to the screening. It was great. Like people from my tasting group brought the screening. And I saw one of the earlier cuts, um, which was a little bit different than how the movie turned out. And so that's kind of how my Psalm journey uh, started with Psalm TV. And then I connected with Christina later on. And then they were like, hey, we think we might create a streaming network. What do you think? Do you want to come work with us? And I was like, yes. <laughs> where <laughs> let's do it now <laughs> so yeah I was their first um, full-time employee at some tv several years ago now congratulations thank you it's a it's a fun place to work we're always joking around and laughing and you know you get to make great films and great tv shows and and hang out with cool people it's kind of a, a cool intersection of a lot of great things and drink good wine and champagne and drink good wine and champagne. Exactly. And I'm like a huge Bubbles fan. So I'm like, ooh, champagne. Like, yes. <laughs> like, that's why I was like, ooh, we're going to make a movie on this on this uh, bottle that's going to auction um, from 18th of I'm like, I'm there. Like, <laughs> champagne done. History done. Let's, let's do this. Yes. Yeah, so you were involved with this new documentary that um, was just released on Friday. Um, what was their process right, like? Because I saw in the credits that you were not only a writer, but a producer. Yeah, so this this um, situation came to us because Perry Jouette, who we had a relationship with, came to us and said, hey, we're going to open up our cellar, which we haven't done in ages, and we're going to auction off a bottle from 1874. Uh, are you guys interested in documenting this? And I, as you guys know, I love bubbles. Um, and history just fascinates me. I think their history ties so much of the wine world together. Like, even if you don't drink, like, there's, like, there's so much history involved. Like, wars were fought over wine. Like, there's so much history about it. So I was like, oh, this sounds fascinating. And I looked into it and I was like, this sounds fantastic. And then during COVID, we couldn't go over there and film. And so we used our, we have a lovely Paris-based crew that we were communicating with and, and used. And they, you know, got to follow the whole journey. And then we were figuring out like the auction got pushed once and then because of COVID and then like, great, it's going to happen in December. And then London was starting to shut down again. And we were like, please, can our crew get there? And there was a lot of moving parts, but I'm so excited it all got to happen. And then I'm so excited how it turned out. Like I loved watching it now going, oh, it's like seeing it all come together after just from initial idea, gosh, about a year and a half ago, like, hey, we have this bottle. It's the last one left. We're going to auction it off. Do you want to document it? Yes. <laughs> Nadine, how does that process work? I'm always interested in those documentaries. Like, do you have a sketchboard or something that says, okay, get these pieces and then you go back and write the narration or how, can you just share with us geeks on how that works? 
Yeah. So anytime we have an idea about a documentary or a show, we kind of think, well, what is the story here and what is the conflict here? And this one was interesting because this bottle had been sitting in that cellar at the domain since its creation. So it had been sitting there waiting while so much happened in the world, so much history, everything. So right away, we're like, okay, this is a great story to tell. There's so much here just because of the fact that this bottle has survived. It survived world wars. It survived civil unrest. It survived so much. So we really look at what's the story. And then in everything in storytelling, you want to find out what's the conflict. Like nobody, you can't just have like a super happy story. Like it has, something has to, there has to be some kind of conflict. People are drawn to kind of find out what's the conflict. Well, this, you know, surviving all that history, there's the conflict, there's something like that. And then, oh my gosh, it's going to go for auction. Who's going to buy it? What are they going to pay for it? Is it going to beat records? Is it going to match the record it had before? So there's like, that's kind of like process you go and then you start filming and documenting the process and then seeing what the story is as you go along as well. What was the one thing that fascinated you about this story? Oh, gosh, I have to narrow it to one. (laughs) I would say, I mean, for me, as I said, I'm big into history. I loved that the bottle had sat there and and the world had continued to go on while this bottle was resting safely in this locked cellar in its little alcove, as you see in the movie. I just love that, like, wow, like everyone who was involved in that bottle has passed on. Generations have passed on. And yet that bottle remains and that wine remains. And the moment it was open, which was actually just a couple of days ago, that there's so much there that's finally uncorked. It's been waiting for all those years and the world kept turning. And now it is a preserved piece of history. And now it gets to be opened. I think that's the fascinating me that because when you uncork a bottle, you uncork a piece of history, no matter what bottle you're drinking, even if it's from a year ago or 10 years ago, you're always uncorking a piece of history. And I just, I love that. I think that's perfectly captured, uncorking a piece of history. See why you're the writer. I love it. That was was my next statement. This is why. These are (laughs) a writer. Gorgeous (laughs) words of a writer. Writer. Yes, you uncorked a piece of history, and I cannot wait to review the whole documentary. I saw the snippet um, in the advertisement, but haven't viewed the whole thing, so I can't wait to see it. Oh, I'm excited for you guys to watch it. It's fun, especially because I, you know, I heard you guys talking about champagne and stuff. So I know you were already fans. So this will be fun. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could have been there in the cellar. When you took the little baby out off the wall and brought it out so everybody could see it and dust it off and stuff. Well, I wish I could have been there too during, due to COVID. I was sitting at this desk right here watching a lot of things on Zoom. <laughs> but it's Damn. okay because I drank my own champagne in celebration. <laughs> Damn, COVID. The, um, the, the winner of the auction... Mm-hmm. Their identity is anonymous to, like, I guess for everybody. But is it possible that you maybe could, like, just get a reaction from them? After um, the fact, yeah. Yeah, we, like, we even what is the- it? Yeah, yeah, even before the auction happened, we asked if 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 they are open to it, could we film with the auction winner? And they said a lot of times they like to remain remain anonymous. They like their privacy. Um, so we've still continued that request. Okay, but could you do this? I mean, maybe not film them, right? But at least get a quote from them of what does it taste like? Like everybody yeah, wants to know what does it taste. 
Yes, I would love that. And we've put in that request. And what's fascinating is champagne made back then was very sweet. It's not the champagne that we know today. And so I just think, wow, it's, is it still going to be sweet? Is it going to taste, is it going to have that lovely, like French cellar funk that sometimes you get in these like old bottles? Like I would love a tasting note from it. I'm hopefully when it's open, like we get a a tasting note from it and find out because yeah. You would think Perrier Joey would ask that question of the person who bought it as well. I am sure they will. And I will definitely report back some tasting notes for you guys. I will find out. I'll find out what it tasted like. Cause it's just a fun, what does history taste like? Well, in this, right. in this instance, it's going to taste probably very sweet, but what else will it taste like? So I'll find out for you guys. I'll report back. <laughs> so we asked Jason yesterday and we actually all answered if, if you bought this bottle, um, would you open it? And if you did, when and where and with whom you would you share it with? Ooh, I love this question. Okay. Yes, I would open it. I feel like wine was made to be opened. And I think whenever there's a bottle that's bought, especially for a lot of money, it just sits there and it never gets opened. I feel like it never gets to like fulfill its full purpose. And I think it's all about like kind of the moment you open it anyway. So I would hundred percent open it. Um, I would probably have it with some family and very close friends and just really like actually probably several friends and pour everyone like a little tiny glass that, so we could all taste it. But I would definitely make an occasion of it. Like I would have like, it may make it be a dinner or something, but hundred percent would open it. And now I know you guys answered it yesterday, but I'm curious, would you guys open it? I wouldn't. No, you so wouldn't sit there. Uh, oh, I would sell it. I'm about the um, economics of the, um, it's commerce. At that time it's commerce. I'll let somebody else. Pay me to open it. There you go, sweetheart. And I'll live vicariously through you while I have my money in the bank. So, no, I wouldn't. And so my answer was similar, but a little different. I would pay for the experience to open it with me. So I said I would um, post on social media and welcome all chefs to compete for me to come with this bottle of wine to their restaurant. And there they prepare food and people buy tickets to join me. And we host this bomb dinner with the wine. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Well, actually, you could probably see what kind of bottles are up for auction now, and it might even pay for like the bottle. Yes. Like when you, well, think- well, yeah. Okay. There's an idea. Oh, yeah. There's an idea, you, universe. You, yeah. you can invite I me. And <laughs> <laughs> I would pour in it. Like I would just take a little out, and then hopefully the cork would resale itself. But who knows if that's the same type of cork as, you know, now, if it does, you know. If they're using cork, because they may not have been using cork closures, then maybe a different type of closure. I don't know. Have to look that up. If it was a original cork made out of cork and not no pla- well, there were no plastics to infuse in it, it would probably, as soon as you hit it, would probably crumble because of the age. Mm. I feel like this is a good question for Greg Lambrecht of Coravin. Like, what, can you Coravin a 100 plus year old bottle of wine? Will the yeah. cork survive? Because what's that device? It has the two prongs on it that you use uh, to so? open. Yeah. You oh, open. the old fashioned one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Because you have one. Oh, look, yep. you have one. Yeah. Oh, very nice. <laughs> Glennis, you bring up a good point because Okay, you paid X amount of dollars. We won't say how much it went for. But now to remove the cork safely so it's not floating in. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you have to think of those logistics. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. 
Yep. It's a good Just- question. I wonder if they'll do it like the port tongs, you know, where you break the top off. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. Or maybe they just sabered the damn thing. Oh gosh. <laughs> oh, they might have just sabered it. You that's never know. That's probably the safest. That's probably the safest way. Safe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, after paying that much for a bottle of wine and then you saber it and like the bottle shatters or something. Oh, oh man. Yeah, I'd be nervous about that. Yeah. Mm. Well, we, de- we definitely have to film that. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't think the person who bought that bottle is worried about it shattering because they had a disposable income. To buy a bottle at that Right, price. but if you shatter it before you get to taste it, though. Mm-hmm. They might be upset, but not like we would be like, oh, just oh, my buddy just going down. <laughs> like, there's my retirement. Man, there's my retirement. Oh, damn it, let me go back to work. <laughs> mm. Oh, if that, if that's interesting. So it would be interesting to see if you all get a quote from them uh, on the tasting note. Um, I think our listeners, well, heck, all of us would be interested in yeah. mm-hmm. what that was like. So. Yeah. I would <laughs> so, love to know, like, on after making this, like, would um, what's the next st- story you want to tell, like, in the wine world? Like, now I want to hear about wine fraud. I want to hear more details. I yeah. think exactly. wine fraud is, f- is fascinating. And mm-hmm. just, like, there's so many great books on it. Like, is it... Um, Oh, was it Tangled Vines? There's one about the gentleman in Sonoma who like lit the warehouse on fire, but they found out like he had done it on purpose because all of his wine was taken out of that one section before he lit it on fire. Like there's there's all that because he was selling different bottles and then and that's you know just the different labels that like you know Rudy Kurnawan would like pour wine into another bottle and I think it's just a fascinating. I mean, there's fraud in every industry, like everything with art and things. So of course it would be in wine as well, but I just I think it's a fascinating topic. Would you ever consider yeah. writing um, fiction, I know, TV, my, like a like a movie? Oh, a TV one. Like, Ooh, like, I would love to. I would love to do something like I like that kind of humorous type of event. Like I love Fleabag, and so I'd want something kind of like mm-hmm. maybe like Fleabag esque in the wine world. But yeah, no, I would love to write a, a scripted series about wine. Um, I think there's so many avenues you can go with wine. There's been so many recent shows regarding wine but they all seem a little bit more dramatic. And I think I'd want to do something more, a little more lighthearted, a little more. Yeah. Like Murders in the Building. Oh, I love Murders in the Building. Yes, I'm a big fan of that one. Mm-hmm. So yeah, hit me up. I'll write them. <laughs> <laughs> so when I researched you, I saw that you went, you have one actress credit. <laughs> yes. Would you, Is that something that you're going to go for with? Like what happened there? No. <laughs> Okay, I think this was either junior high or high school, and I'm in my 40s now. And some friends was like, "Oh, uh, my friend's friend is filming this movie at this high school. Do you want to come be an extra for a day?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure, sounds fun." And I'm literally playing basketball in a scene. It's called Earth Minus Zero, and it was only years later I found out I had an IMDb credit from it. And I'm like, I'm in the movie for like four minutes. It's kind of funny, but I was like, ooh, yeah, no, um, don't want to be an actress, don't want to be on screen. I like, I like the behind the scenes. I love the energy of sets, and I love the energy of like TV and film and everything like that. But I love being behind the camera. Um, don't I don't have a desire to be in front though. You know, I'm sure there's that great shot of me playing basketball, which can you know live on <laughs> in that movie. So Nadine, behind you, there are bottles. Yes. Are there anything, are they bottles that you saved or they have any significance? I asked um, Jason the same thing. We got some good history from two bottles that were sitting behind him. So 
Yeah. So right there's a couple of fun bottles open, but my really special ones are actually right above me. And so one of them, I have a, a 1980 Lopez de Heredia. So 1980 is my birth year. So these are all ones that I've opened and those are opened as well, except there's a rosé waiting for me to open there. <laughs> uh, and then I have a 1980 Clodeval Cabernet for my birth year. Um, I have a late harvest Zinfandel from my Akamas from the seventies, which is just fantastic. And then I have a 1978 Stag's Leap wine cellar, uh, Cabernet Sauvignon. That's my husband's birth year. And then I have a 1979 Spring Mountain Napa Valley Cab. And the reason why I have that bottle is we did a, um, we filmed it at a podcast inside Chateau Chevalier, uh, which is this amazing ghost winery in Spring Mountain. And it was going to dusk. And our friend Keith Baker, who is the historian at Spring Mountain, brought that 1979 bottle to share with us. And it was such a cool moment that when we finished, I was like, can I keep this bottle? And so I have like these bottles, they kind of inspire me. So they sit up there and then there's a couple older bottles behind me as well. I just, I don't tend to keep bottles, but I keep ones that are like special that are going to like, I'm look at them and they're going to strike a memory or something exciting for me. And then this one right here, I have a unicorn drinking a Tempranillo. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> And so that that's it. You got Tempranillo from uh, Byron Blatty Wines uh, in here in Los Angeles, which I love that Tempranillo. And so that's my 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 little unicorn wine holder. Some people have like puppies that hold the wine. I'm like, I'm going for the unicorn. <laughs> I have an elephant. Nice. I love that. It's just such a fun way to like have a bottle and display it. I love it. Again, with the words. That was that was so fun. That was so beautifully said. I love that. Oh, thank you. Every time I need to pick me up, I'm just going to call you guys. Up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so we got some closeout questions. Um, we answered these yesterday, but we can answer them again. Um, answers might be a little different. All right, so this is all about TV. What was the last movie you saw in the theaters? Okay, so this is going to sound terrible because I love movies. Movies are my life. Like, I'm just so, I just, I'm a big film buff. But the last time I went to a theater, you guys, was 2017 for Wonder Woman. It's the last time I was in a theater. And it was so great. It had like the big cushy couches. And I remember putting my feet up and just like watching the film. It was so great. And then didn't go back for some reason. And then COVID hit. And now I'm like, oh, I kind of like my TV at home. <laughs> so it's been a while, which is terrible because there's something so exciting about being in theater and the lights dim. And when I was a kid, I think it was like Dolby going, we go around like <laughs> the sound. <laughs> so I definitely miss it a little bit, <laughs> but I need to get back there for sure. Tag, you beat all of us because I know my last movie was, I think I, I thought it was Black Panther, but it was Queen and Slim. And Glennis, yours was Black Panther. Mine was Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Leslie, I don't even think you can I remember. I can't remember. I can't yeah. remember. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. Yeah. And Jason was like, what? I can't believe it. But <laughs> as oh, he soon went to as like, like, a theater almost... like two weeks ago, right? <laughs> like he yeah. went to something. Recently. Yeah. But when, especially when COVID hit and I could get movies for a little bit higher price in my living room, like I'm good. So exactly. I'm still watching them. I'm just watching them from home. Same. I'm watching from home because like if I, if I go to the theater right now, it's gonna be $40 for my husband and I, whereas I can buy it and rent it on Amazon or whoever for $20. I'm like, okay, I'll yep. sit at home and I'll have my yeah. glass of wine and you there know, you go. Like, turkey pop candy. your own popcorn. Yeah. And sure. Healthier. Yeah. I think, I think Tom Cruise though has brought the movies back like mm. because he was insisting on Top Gun being in the movie theater. Yeah. Yeah. I think it moved people back to the movies. Yeah, I have to agree. Yeah. Yep. 
Okay. Next question. So the Emmys were, the Emmy nominations were released today. I'm so excited about all of them. So, and my answer has changed from yesterday when we recorded with Jason. What is your favorite sitcom? So this is a great question. And I'm going to go first do a throwback and then a current, because oh, I got to okay. go for The Office as a throwback. Like I just, I love The Office. Uh-huh. I'm always <laughs> quoting it. Um, I just think it's just so funny. And I spent a lot of time in offices, you know, a little bit similar to that. So that's kind of my like go-to, but what I really loved recently is it's called Ghosts and I love the British version. There's two versions. There's one American version and then a British version, which is on HBO Max. And it's this humorous just series about this mansion in England where the wife can see the ghosts in the house and they're like always talking over each other and she can hear them all, but her husband can't. So she's like, you guys be quiet. It's really funny and humorous. And I've loved that. That's been my recent favorite sitcom for sure what who stars in that it's not courtney cox is it no no it's, it's not that um, okay, in fact i don't know anyone off the top of my head who's okay. like they're all people i don't i don't gotcha. know but um cool. but there's like seven ghosts and it's humorous and one's got an arrow through his neck because he got killed <laughs> on in like a an archery thing gone wrong there's a politician who doesn't have pants because he died when he was like cheating with like a intern or something i mean it is it's really funny and humorous and then you know just a caveman like <laughs> always goes <"Rrr." laughs> so it's it's a really fun show i've enjoyed it they have three seasons going on right now i'm literally adding this to my watch list <laughs> Yay. <laughs> okay i had i've given it some thoughts sarita okay and I would have to say, barring current conditions, it would be a different world in the Cosby show. Like, ah, uh, okay. That was yeah. my formative years. Loved it. Okay. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Dennis, is your answer still the same? Yep. <laughs> what was your answer? Oh my God, it was so long. We don't, we were told to cut out stuff out of our podcast. Stop it. No, we're, no, we're on time today. So go for it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so old school. So I like all the old school. I mean, I even thought, I dream of Jeannie, Bewitch. Those are, those two. Plus I love Lucy. Um, That's my mama. Good times. I, I mean, I'm a child of the 70s. You know, even those late 60 movies who I would say cons that rolled over into the 70s and early. I love them all. So, mm. yeah. And the Golden favorite. Girls. You had the Golden Girls. Oh, Golden Girls. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You sure did. And Archie Buck and all my all, all, all in yeah. the family. Yeah. Because the stuff that he said is, is so true, but you can't say it today. And that joker was hilarious. <laughs> I sit there and watch. I was like, Whoop. Oh, did he just say that? Oh, that's so true. And then everybody else, then you got the Jeffersons that come in because they were the neighbors and you got the spinoffs from all in the family. So and the way he talked about um, Gloria's husband. It, wow. Anyway, things he called him. You can't say that. Do you do that? Um, so yesterday, my answer was, of course, like the dry comedies, The Office, Schitt's Creek, and then um, Alec, Abbott Elementary, of course, is, is my newest favorite. But I think um, in time, like even like 10 years from now, my favorite sitcom is always going to be Insecure. That's going to be my number one. Um, Like I didn't even think of it because it's I don't I think it's just so close to me. I didn't even think to to list it. But that's always going to be my number one. And congrats on their nominations. They deserve it. Oh, 
they they were not missing. I haven't. Yeah, for a few categories. Yeah, yeah. So it's Abbott. Abbott is going to clean up. They were nominated for seven, I believe. No, three. I'm lying. Three. Is it is insecure considered a sitcom? Well, it's a comedy. It's a short comedy. Wouldn't it be a sitcom? I don't know. It's not a drama because Kirby Enthusiasm is a is a sitcom. So I believe so. Yeah. Oh wow! I've never seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Oh, we can add a question because we've got time. What is your favorite TV drama? Okay. My favorite tree. I'm going to go for comedy drama here because I just got into hacks with like Gene Smart. I love so it. So incredibly good. It's oh so my good. And the writing is so good and the witticisms and everything. And I'm just like, oh, to me, it just it's just candy. Like I just, I love it. Now I will actually... I've already finished the two seasons and I've gone back and done it and watched it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's an excellent show. It's a great show. That is. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. What about you guys? I'm writing mine down. Go ahead, Leslie. I'm writing, oh, man. Down. Um, uh, so I would, I would, I think we have to say at this point in time, like, I always hear people talk about like who is the greatest basketball player, and you just have to talk about at this point in time because there's so many good ones. And I right, right, okay. So at this point in time, I would have to say the shy, and um, and I would have to say um, the power series. I it's just so. It's so underrated and you leave. I know I lose like a good five pounds every time I watch it because I'm just pacing the whole time in knots. And I think that is like a sign of good writing and good acting when you were just so turned up about something that you know is not real and will not affect your life in the next 60 minutes. Hold up. I have a question. Glennis, did you ever finish Power? That's what no, because I don't have oh. So, guys, backstory: we were <laughs> we were in New York last year mm-hmm. for uh, we were on a panel in the Finger Lakes, and in our in our Airbnb, we were we started Glennis on Power. Yeah, we were about to get into it. We were we could have spent that whole weekend watching okay, just watching Power and drinking. So we we have to do that actually. But go ahead, Glennis. You know what? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That would be a good field trip for us. And maybe record some shows from wherever you are. Yeah. And not have to worry about being at a conference or, you know, studying for our panels or whatever. Yes, that would be ideal. That's hilarious. So, yeah, I'm with you. Got to finish watching that. But, okay, so I am a history buff. So, like, I have a whole list of, like, Last Kingdom, which is about Vikings and how the start of the different kingdoms in Europe starting. Uh, it, oh, and God knows the lead is fine as hell in that movie. Anyway, I'm not going to give it away. Y'all got to see the Last Kingdom, especially okay. when you talk about how the lands were split up and Vikings were allowed to um populate some lands until uh one of the english kings were like uh nope y'all are trying to take over so last kingdom very good down abbey hands down loved it loved it money heist <laughs> that joker is funny and now they got money heist korea 
It's even funnier watching the voiceovers. That's hilarious. So that's what I'm watching now. But then you got Brigade, uh, the Borgia. Um, oh, there's so many. Glennis, so did you watch The Gilded Age? So that's good. on my list. I, that's on my list. I have. I'm now Glennis, watching. Let me tell you why you're gonna love the Gilded yes. Age. Mm-hmm. It's not only like a timepiece, but they are bringing in Black history and things that actually happen. Yes. Characters yep. who are real into the story. It is the writing is fantastic. It is. What network is that? HBO. It is it. You think HBO Max got it? Because I got. Yeah, I believe it's HBO yeah. Max. Yeah. It's HBO mm-hmm. Max. Okay. And yeah. and they have. A podcast to go with every episode. It's amazing. So you get the entire backstory. Oh, yeah. yeah. And they hired um an African American researcher for the show and she appears on the podcast. So oh, yeah. oh I have That's to start it. watching this. I haven't watched oh, God, it's and so I haven't good. watched Power it's either. It's so, so now like good. both of these I'm well, gonna dive into. Gilded age, yellow <laughs> and the and the, and the, like if you this is I mean, it's so good, but it's also like aesthetically so pleasing. Beautiful. The, the costume. The, it, Sarita, were they nominated for costume design? Because I don't know. It was, oh my gosh. Yeah. Man. Oh, oh, yeah. That's right yeah. up my alley. I love period. Yeah. I there mean, were, I there were some episodes. There was one episode that I just put a picture of this one scene that was written perfectly. And I just put it there. I ain't even put no caption on Instagram. And I was like, that's it. That's all I have is this one scene. And my, wow. my comments were crazy because that one scene, it blew my mind. Anyway, yes, that's an yeah. excellent series. Um, what's my answer? I have so many dramas that I like, <laughs> but um, I think my top one is going to be um, The Good Wife and The Good Fight. Um, let's see. Then The Wire. Um, and then This Is Us. They were talking about dramas. Yeah. Yeah. This is us. I, yeah. The, I, the writing, I don't know how they, pref- first of all, the actors and the writing together, it was, it was just beautiful. I, and I would go in each episode, like, I'm not going to cry in this episode. I'm not going to do it. And then I would think I'm, I'm all good. And you get to that last five minutes and I'm like, God damn it. And they that's a, me that's, this is over us, again. Right? Yeah, yeah, this is us. Yeah, I didn't yes. watch it, but I would watch all my friends post on Facebook, like, "Oh my gosh, that the the light on the whatever!" Like everyone was freaking out, and I was like, "Okay, I don't think I could watch it because it's definitely gonna make me cry." And I'm like, "Okay, I have to be a right yeah. mood for it." Yeah, <laughs> it's. Tough. Maybe I would ask friends of mine, "Did you watch?" And they're like, "No, because I don't watch TV to make me cry." Mm. I mean, it is just it just sucks you in. It's amazing. Yeah. And you can right. tell, like, the cast really likes each other. Yeah. Right. Right. Being, That's what like, I, yeah. yeah, for sure. Really well with it. Mm-hmm. For sure. Okay. I hear, I hear oh, that. go ahead, Glenn. No, I was just saying, I heard, I heard that from a guest down in Belize this past week about This Is Us and how it just what you said to me about how moving it was and something that you really need to um, yeah. see. And there's another movie I'm just thinking of, and I know y'all have seen it. And I can't think of the name. It's about the the family who gets caught up in the drug world. What is that? In its new season, just came. it'll come to me. I want to hold up. Okay. okay, it'll come back to you. Yep. Okay. Next question for you, Nadine. Ozark. That's what it yes. is. Oh, yeah. Ozark was fantastic. Yes, fantastic. 
first of all, I just want the Swirl City audience to know I do have a life. I really do. <laughs> I, I, I do have a life, but these are really good. <laughs> everybody, <laughs> everybody who follows me on, on, on social media knows I do two things. I eat, I cook. Well, three things I eat, I cook, and I watch TV. <laughs> those are, those are the things. Those are the things I, Virgin, I admit that. I Virgin admit River too is the other one. Oh, Virgin River is so cute. Oh, it's, I have not seen that. Okay. I have to write that. Down. Seen that it's like, either. it's very, it's sort of like drama lifetimey, but it's, it's really nice. It's, it's, it's well done. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, um, Nadine, for you, what is your favorite reality show or docu-series? So I am like big into like true crime things. Uh, I think there's just like fascinating. And there was a show on Hulu, might've been a year ago now called Wild Crime. And it was a docu-series about this guy who did he or didn't he not push his wife off a cliff in a national park. And like the national park has their whole investigative, like thing. it was fascinating going back and forth. And I mean, I used to love like forensic files and city confidential and stuff like that. So those are kind of my, I don't necessarily watch like that's my reality TV. Like I don't, I watch docu-series or things like that. I don't watch a lot of reality TV. So I'm, I'm curious to hear what you guys, what you're any, any competition are. shows and like, uh, it's like top chef. Cause those kind of count. They're I loved top chef. Like okay. I, you know, if I'm going to lose a James Beard award to someone, I'm so oh. glad it was top oh. chef. Cause like, I love <laughs> top chef. Yeah. Uh, I've been a fan of that show for ages. And in fact, when I finally got to the go to the food, wine classic in Aspen, I knew about it because of top chef for the last like 17 years. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm here. Um, which now sounds silly, but I'm like, I was so excited about it. So top chef, I loved, um, I loved, oh my gosh, basically so, oh my gosh, great British Bake Off. Oh, oh, loved that. Like so cute, like Mary Berry and just making the bread and their little accents. And like, I don't know, I was just, I was so in on that. Um, So definitely lots of cooking stuff. I do still to this day. And oh my gosh, anything with Anthony Bourdain, like no reservations. And like, in fact, I was watching him with some of his first episodes he ever filmed the other day. Cause, oh, I just loved his like take on the world and just traveling around and how food connects everyone and you can find out great stories through food and you know he definitely inspired me like definitely to travel certain places he had gone so yeah wow now I'm I could go on a whole tangent about like cooking shows or food shows because very food motivated you guys (laughs) guys have your answers changed from yesterday hearing Nadine talk nope (laughs) (laughs) no survivor and all the bachelor series those are my reality too. Isn't there the I'm new like, Bachelor we... starting this week or no? I think so. It is. And I need to find out is it only streaming on Hulu? Mm. So does ABC own Hulu? See, there's a whole lot of questions uh, I have. Because every time I looked up, <laughs> it says Hulu. I'm like, wait a minute. I need it to be on ABC. Mm. And at this time, that's what I'm used to watching. But we'll see. So those are my. The, the the newest one that I am watching, and my others don't change, but is Married at First Sight. That <laughs> so I haven't gotten into it, but I've I've heard a lot about it. Do you think the first it. moment that they see each other, they're getting married. Is that the yeah, premise? Pretty oh much. my goodness. So oh. it's it's like the I won't even I guess you could say it's the modern day matchmaker where you don't see the person and you rely on now they use like personality test, da 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 to put them together but the you know what my observation is they have to be characters to make this show work because you're like you're sitting there going oh i know why you're single <laughs> you may be divorced <laughs> after this 
<laughs> you know what? I watched I watched a um a scripted show based on like The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And but it focuses, of course, it's going to focus on the cast, but they focus a lot on the producers and how they stir up the drama yeah. with certain people. So I think it's the it's it's it might be both ways. It might be the characters mm-hmm. that, you know, want to be on the show. But those producers know what people want to watch. That's what I always hear about The Bachelor. Like they know how to to stir up the drama. And they know how to do it well. So I've definitely heard that with this love at first sight or married at first sight. Like, is it in more than one season? Because I would love to know if those oh. marriages did last. Oh, um, yes, it is. It's actually in season 15. Oh, my goodness. And they started this season. This season is in San Diego. And they started they started giving the statistics. Right. And I didn't realize. Well, they said, like, out of the 14 seasons or something like that. No, he, they said we have 14 marriages that have lasted because you literally are married. Like you, the only way to get out of it is divorce. Like you have to, this is a binding thing and 10 kids. And I'm thinking one per season, that's not, that's not good. That's not good statistics. Honestly. You know what I'm saying? Because it's at least five couples on each episode. And so, I mean, each season. And so if there's 14 seasons and they, they only can claim 14 marriages, then you only have one out of five chances of making it. So so then... And don't they have... Oh, no, you go ahead, Glenn. Don't they have... Isn't there a spinoff to that where you have like alum who sit back and they are almost narrating how yes. this may work or oh, that's, that marriage will never work because yes. they know mm-hmm. the inside. So they have a spinoff already for the show about yeah. with people yeah, yeah, who yeah. either mm-hmm. made it or didn't or who have been on the show. And the only reason why I know this is because one of my friends, if she was on this podcast, she can tell you every reality TV show that was ever made and every cast member and talked about it the whole time. It was anything. I was like, you got too much time on your hands. Too much time. <laughs> That's the only reason why I know that. Never seen a, a damn episode day in my yeah. life. But that's why I So know. I've never watched Married at First Sight, but however, on Netflix, there is this show called Love is Blind. This no. show is more stressful than Married at First Sight. Because, okay, just think about you have you have women and you have men, a group. So they come to this place and they are talking to each other through a pod. So it's a wall. You can only hear their voice and ask them questions. So you can't see see a thing. You can't see anything. You're talking to a person through a wall. All you know is their voice. You don't know what they look like. You don't know their background, how tall they are, nothing. And the show is pretty much going, you know, and they go from pod to pod to talk to different people. And, you know, of course, you know, what if I go into a pod and I fall in love with John's voice and John's personality and I go back to the ladies and say, oh, I'm in love with John. And of course, Leslie has talked to John and she's in love with him, too. So but you can't like it's about getting to know people um, regardless of what they look like. And it's your job to ask all the questions and they give them little pads and coloring books and little things to like doodle with while they're just talking to this person. There's no TV, no phones, no nothing. And they propose through these walls, y'all. 
they get married. Are you serious? They propose through these walls. If you have not watched this show, it's only on season two because it's only two seasons so far. I was so addicted to season one. I was like, there's no way that they can top season one. It's no way. But they did. <laughs> but they did. It was just as interesting. Um, but yeah, so after the proposal, they walk down this, um, they're, they're at each end of a hall and they walk towards each other and they get to look at each other for the first time. And you see the reaction. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. And they take them on this, like, almost like a honeymoon before they actually get married. So they go on this honeymoon and they spend a few days together. They in the same room, you know, you make decisions, you, you make whatever decision you want. <laughs> and then they give them a, an apartment. They give them an apartment. They get to live together. I, I think it might be a few weeks or a month or something, but it's a short span of time. And you figure out, you meet each other's family and you figure out if you're actually going to marry this person. But you can't, I mean, it might be a rule. You can't necessarily call it off, but usually people make that decision where they're going to marry that person at the wedding. You get dressed, you get your bridesmaids, all of that together. And <laughs> you show up at the altar. Sometimes they say yes. Sometimes they say no. You never know. But that's what the whole show is about. So it sometimes is they say no. Like it's like on this on TV. Oh, God. It's amazing trash TV. It's amazing. Oh, it's amazing. oh my goodness. Leslie, you look horrified. <laughs> I, 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 I am too. I, I, I just. Uh, oh, yeah. Mm. But yeah, because you smile and missing teeth or they yellow. I'm hauling ass about it. Here. There's no way I can marry you because I can't. But that can you. get fixed. Like you can get you like. You sound <laughs> like my other friends. No, that's a hygiene issue off the bat. You are too old to have rotten teeth. I mean, but that's the thing, Glenn. It's that's you're talking about one part that can be fixed. What if that person nope. is went bankrupt, has bad credit? A lot of times you're not asking these questions in the pod. You asking about their background. You're trying to figure out what they look like. All those other details tend I'm to come later i'm asking i'm yeah. asking what your grill look like now let's yeah move on. Mm-hmm. yeah people, right that's gonna tell me a whole lot for those people you get up to the altar and like you're all geeked up it's your wedding day yeah and the other person is like i can't do this yeah right yeah that- yeah mm-hmm Gosh, and you actually like you were ready to marry them and they were like i'm out sorry peace deuces <laughs> all i'm saying I'm is it bad. happens it happens and you never know wow you never know. but yeah wow. it's amazing trash <laughs> all right very last question for you nadine how can you tell when a project is produced properly like name a show or like a show or something you've seen it's just like oh this is written and produced so well how do you know um okay so I would think like, you know, if you don't notice like it, like, so I think so, like if it's produced really well, it's going to be kind of like seamless in that sense. So it's going to, you know, you're not going to notice. So you're not going to think about it. You're just going to enjoy it. But if you really think about something in this last year that I thought was produced fantastically, um, WandaVision, it was that Marvel one where it's like, and I do not like the Marvel movies, you guys, like I'm, I don't hate them. I just like, they're not my thing. Like my husband loves them. I'm not into them, but I was all into WandaVision. I thought the writing was brilliant and the costumes Mm -hmm. and the way everything went. So I would kind of say like that, but I think from a documentary standpoint and all that, if you don't notice, then it's produced well. 
Well said. But definitely well said. WandaVision was good. Well, you guys will like WandaVision because the first episode is like an I Love Lucy episode. It's like black and white. And then the really? next episode oh. goes into like the 60s. And then the next episode, they're in the 70s and then the 80s. And it's like it's, it goes through all the things. I know exactly what you're talking about. I just haven't seen it before. Yeah. I'm gonna have to, I wasn't sure if I was going to like it or not, but I'm right. No, and, and this is got something it. from someone who does not like, who does not watch the Marvel movies. And I yeah. was all in on it, like 100%. Very cool. Nanine, this is awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you guys so much for having me. Like, I, I want to keep like, like go, coming on with you guys and just drinking <laughs> wine. And I want to go to this retreat where in like the Finger Lakes, where you're going to like drink wine and watch power and just chill. I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> I'll bring bubbles. <laughs> Oh, bring course. an 1874 <laughs> bottle from Perry Jouette. <laughs> oh, we're there. <laughs> we're there. Well, well, if you can't get that Let's far know. back, if you can't get that far back, just stop at the Epoque Rosé. <laughs> Sophie heard me tell Jason that yesterday. <laughs> well, that's fine. I don't need 1874. I'll just take the, talk about a unicorn. That's a unicorn. Is the rosé. So, Nadine, where can everybody follow you and follow where they can read your books? Um, yeah. I'm on, on Twitter under Nadine's Notes. Feel free to follow me, message me, say hi, all that good stuff. Um, and that's kind of where I guess I am on social media. Uh, and then I have my website, nadinenetman.com. And then I'm all over Psalm TV all the time. So, definitely reach out to me there and want to talk wine to talk anything reach out i love talking wine love talking history my favorite things and i love talking films and tv <laughs> okay i have a lot of things <laughs> thanks for joining this world speed we hope you enjoyed this episode don't forget to hit that subscribe button leave us five stars and leave us a comment we love ratings also be sure to follow all of us on social media myself at buy me up glenn is at vino noir girl meets glass is tanisha Vino 301 is Leslie, and you can follow the Swirl Suite podcast account at Swirl Suite. The Swirl Suite is now a part of the Alive Podcast Network. This episode has been edited and produced by Vime Up Media.